As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's get ready to if you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. It's creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So this the only, seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. you got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. We are back with another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. And well, 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 I told Lance that Josh Taylor was going to win this fight. There was never a doubt in my mind. Maybe a little bit of doubt around round four or so. But... Here we are now, and I think Lance owes me, what is it, dinner, sandwich, something? What do you want? Owed. What do you want? The palm, Outback? <laughs> oh, Out, the, you know, Outback, Outback's an all-time favorite. You know, it's, it's a cha- an all-time chain restaurant favorite. We might have to do that. We're going to figure it out, Lance. Maybe, I'm thinking maybe it's Fury Wilder three fight weekends. Sounds like okay. a okay. nice in the middle of the summer. Um, Cra- who craft knows? steak in Vegas. Craft steak. Hey. Oh, craft steak. Wow, we're going big. We're going yes. craft steak. Yes, we're going craft steak. We might have to go double or nothing on something else before then. I don't okay. know. You got it. We gotta. You pick. You want to pick Wilder in the uh, in the rematch? Well, we have to do it before that because that'll be in Vegas. So yeah, we'll figure out a fight before that. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. But hey, you know, you were in, on the grounds in Las Vegas. I, I watched from a cigar bar in Miami with uh, Claudia Treos from the Zone, um, oh, who nice. I have to say. She, she's like Robin Trubosky from How I Met Your Mother. Like, she, she could smoke cigars with the best of them. Like, she put me to shame. Like, I probably smoked less than 10 cigars in my lifetime, Lance. And she was like puffing circles. And I don't know. I, I, I got, I got put to shame there. I was an amateur, but I wasn't an amateur because in the, in the fight pick department, because she also picked Jose Ramirez. And, you know, here, here we are now. I think there's no doubt Josh Taylor is a fantastic fighter. I mean, that guy, Shakur Stevenson said it, right? He goes, that guy can fucking fight. And he sure can. I mean, inside fighting, fight on the outside, the counter punching. I mean, that pull counter left hook was beautiful on the, mm-hmm. on the, I believe it was on the first knockdown. The, yes. the second knockdown was a brutal left uppercut. Lance, what I was most impressed from watching on TV was 
just the adjustments Joss made on the inside where he, I, from my perspective, he was kind of looping his shots at first and really smothering those punches on the inside. And then he kind of shortened the shots up with the trajectory and then he went to work. I mean, those punches were so short and crisp and compact. I thought he did a hell of a job in there. It's a great win. And, you know, if Josh Taylor is not a star in the UK soon, if not in the US, something's gone wrong because he has the total package. Good looking guy. Great fighter, exciting fighter, and he talks shit with the best of them. But you are excited in Vegas, Lance. What was your big takeaway from being there? Something we would not have seen on TV. Well, I just think that he, you know, what he did so effectively. And again, you uh, not to just make it like a, a thing that you know because he lives next to the guy, but it reminded me a lot of Conor McGregor in that he just from the start of fight week, Mike. He took control of this fight in the mind games department. I mean, he did he did uh, some stuff getting it into his face after the news conference. And Ho- it seems like Jose Ramirez was always always felt like he was one step behind Josh Taylor. And that was true throughout the fight as well. I mean, Josh Taylor always knew what to do, no matter what that next thing was, to to keep himself in front of Jose Ramirez. And even when it was it looked like maybe Kenny Bayless was trying to break those guys up in the seventh round, Jose kind of like, you know, backs up a little bit and Josh Taylor delivers the shot because he, you know, he did not step in and break them up. And I mean, to me, that's the great thing. A fighter has to be gifted and has to possess those skills that you just got done talking about. But he also has has to have that incredibly sharp mind. And Josh Taylor has that mind on top of everything else that he has. And that's why, I mean, I, I wrote in the story, this guy is a special breed. He came to America for a full, full unification. Um, you know, let's be honest, sometimes UK guys who come over here and deal with Americans, particularly Mexican fighters, they have a tough time. And he dealt, he dealt with a pretty rugged, rugged Mexican. And he, you know, he had the, he ended up having to confront the U.S. judges and he won on all accounts. I mean, it was a, it was a tremendous performance and you're absolutely right. Um, let me say one thing about, um, you know, the, the lack of attention on this fight. I know it's something that has been discussed uh, basically from even before the, the fight took place. And I was talking to a, you know him as well, uh, from the Daily Mail, uh, Jeff Powell, the writer. And the UK writers, the UK media had a, a hell of a time trying to get over to the US. It was such a burden. It was such a chore. And that's why a lot of those guys were not over here. In fact, after the uh, the fight, Mike, you know, Evan Korn from Top Rank, he let off the news conference by reading questions that had been texted to him from the UK writers. So I don't think that there was a shunning of Josh Taylor from the UK media. It was just that it was so difficult um, to to get to this venue in Las Vegas for them. And then additionally, you know, top rank, um, you know, decided to place this fight in the Virgin Hotels and they only had a capacity of, you know, less than a thousand with the COVID restrictions in place. There was a lot of reasons to say like, you know, oh, this fight deserved a lot more attention. But neither neither guy reacted to that in the ring, Mike. I mean, they gave it a full balls out effort and it was just a tremendous evening of boxing. Um, and like you say, with Josh Taylor coming out on top to add one more personable, charismatic, uh, unified, undisputed champion uh, to the sport, I think is a is a great thing. Yeah. Uh, a few points, quick glance yeah. uh, on Taylor Ramirez. So on the promotional side, Eddie Hearn, in an interview with IFL on Monday, said, and I quote, it was the most criminal promotion I've ever seen. Josh Taylor is exceptional, great character. Outside of the hardcore, I didn't see anyone talking about this fight. Where was the promotion? He should be an absolute superstar. End quote. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? 
No, I mean, look, look, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of balls were dropped and Josh even brought that up. And, you know, look, I, I guess uh, it's easy to have 2020 hindsight, but not that easy because let's be honest with the Canelo, Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders fight had already been scheduled too. these guys knew that they could have taken this fight to Texas. They could have taken it to Florida uh, where a big audience uh, was and they could have they could have done a better job. I mean, ESPN knew this was a, a up for all four belts up. I mean, there should have been we we knew the quality of this fight and you knew that the, the fight was going to uh, live up to the hype. And it did. So, I mean, on all of those fronts, yes, several balls were dropped. Um, I just I just felt bad, I think, for Josh Taylor more than anyone, because this is a guy who I think, you know, even at the end of the night, he was kind of looking around for people to celebrate with. And uh, I, I can tell you because I was there, Mike. I mean, he walked in the he went into a Mexican restaurant and he was greeted heartily by uh, Latino fans who were slapping him on the back. And basically saying like the way you fought is was a true it was a true warrior performance. There was one guy in the Mexican restaurant wearing a kilt that came over and talked to Josh and was congratulating on him on making our people proud. And Josh gave this guy like 10 minutes. He was patting him on the back and they sat there and talked for like 10 minutes because there was no one else there. Mike, it seemed like from Scotland or the UK to say, you know, way to go, man, you did it for us. And and that's, to me, that was the most unfortunate part, part of it, because Josh Taylor deserves to be celebrated, you know, as the king of the 140 pound division with a very, very bright future ahead of him. Yeah. Well, um, maybe there were other considerations, uh, you know, like COVID and all that at the time of the planning, but I can certainly say that the leading reason why Taylor Ramirez didn't go to Texas and took place at the new Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas, formerly the Hard Rock, was that top rank you know, grabbed a monstrous side fee, uh, a four fight deal for all four fights, you know, as part of the summer series, you know, uh, starting here with Taylor Ramirez and then leading into Shakur Stevenson versus Nakathila on June 12th, uh, followed by in Inoue against, uh, Daz Moranis. And then right. a week later with Lomachenko against Nakatani, it's a, a multi million dollar deal for those fights at the Virgin Hotels, I'm told. So big site deal there. Um, so that probably helps explain that, Lance, but, um, going back to Taylor Ramirez, I, I have to say, even though I did pick Taylor and, you know, he won the fight, I, I had it 115-11. I think all three judges had it 14-12. Yeah. Uh, how did you have it quick? I had it 14-12, yeah. I, okay, I thought, so, look, but there were some close rounds in, in the waning rounds, but I thought Jose Ramirez, you know, gave a strong account of himself in those closing rounds to at least try to play catch-up, but he was just too far, too far down. Yeah, and I want to say, you know, Jose Ramirez, definitely better than I thought he was a couple of years ago. I mean... This guy really turned into a real, really good fighter. And, you know, I don't think anything really, he doesn't lose anything in this, in this loss. Uh, he, I thought he performed very well. I think he, I had him winning the first three of the first four rounds and he showed some big, big balls because he took two monstrous shots, flush shots right through the guard from a, from a guy who can really punch and got up. And on that second knockdown, he was really hurt. Um, I, I saw a while, a crazy quote. Uh, you were there talking to Jose. He said that he was never hurt at any point. Uh, what was the deal there? Because he was certainly appeared to be out on his feet to me after that second knockdown. And then he generously, re generously received what seemed like an extra 10 to 15 seconds from Kenny Bayless. Although Kenny Bayless also erred on the knockdown itself. You could argue he even helped produce the knockdown because he was, Bayless all night really was too intrusive in my opinion. He's grabbing them. He wasn't letting them guys fight on the inside. 
and breaking them up way too quickly, which is a big pet peeve of mine. But on that second knockdown, I think he like Bayless grabbed Jose's arm to break them up. And as he was doing that, Taylor threw a left uppercut, which look, not dirty from Taylor. That's what he has to do. But a bad job by Bayless there. Uh, what was your overall opinion? First, first off on Jose saying he wasn't hurt. And then second off on Bayless's performance. Yeah, he absolutely was hurt, Mike. I mean, I, you know, you know, after a fight, who, you know, there's a, a lot of things that fighters say that in the light of day, when they look back on it, they probably regret. That's one of them. But, you know, what Jose Ramirez said, and the reason that he did kind of like step back and maybe let his hands, hands down a little bit on that situation, he said that Kenny Bayless actually made a point of going to the guys' lo- uh, locker rooms before the fight and saying, you know, like, like, let's be honest, let's go back to Friday when there was a scuffle in the uh in the hallways of the hotel mike where um josh taylor shoved jose ramirez they had to be separated and uh, jose ramirez said that bayless was aware of that and said hey because of this tension i don't want this tension to amplify when you guys are close to each other when you get when you get too close i'm gonna i'm gonna move more often than not to break you because i don't want it to become another you know situation like that in the ring and so jose said look I thought that his he was going to be uh, overly zealous in his breaking of us, but he says at the end of the day, like I need to be more aware, a la Victor Ortiz, where it's you know it's like protect yourself at all time. And Jose said, I don't think he meant it that jo- what Josh did was dirty, but he said I need to I need to be thinking a little bit more dirty too. That people are willing and they you know they will definitely take advantage of those uh those opportunities when they exist just like josh taylor did what josh taylor did was not dirty it was it was brilliant in my in my eyes and it it helped him win that fight yeah and look i don't even know if josh taylor knew that i mean it's hard to say that he knew that he was being broken up considering he pulled on i think it was uh, ramirez's arm he's in the middle of throwing a punch um but yeah bellis can't be doing that and also like why the hell is bellis trying to break them up constantly just because of you know, some antics pre-fight. I mean, guys got to be able to fight on the inside. It's part of boxing. And those are two of the best inside fighters in, in the world. So that was a shame. But it, look, it was a great fight. Great action yeah. fight. Jose showed big balls. Jose certainly going to get another big fight. I would love to see Jose Ramirez against Regis Program maybe next Me year too. at some point. Perfect fight, and, Mike. Um, yeah. And let, let's be honest. I mean, uh, I want to talk about this too because obviously Josh Taylor has some things that he's going to be dealing with this year. But, you know, one of those roots could take him uh, out of this division. And for Jose Ramirez, he can, you know, easily return as a 140-pound champion with Josh Taylor gone. And I know that Jose said this after the fight as well. Like, he would like one more shot at Josh Taylor, ultimately. So uh, you're absolutely right. There are so many many possibilities that still remain for Jose Ramirez in defeat. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think for Josh Taylor – you know, he owes Jack Catterall a, a mandatory shot. Catterall is a solid fighter. I have no problem with that fight, assuming they get it in sooner than later and don't wait, you know, eight months or whatever. You know, great UK, possibly um, Scotland, Scotland, homecoming fight. I think you were the one that said that it could be in Josh Taylor's mind at the Edinburgh Castle, which would yeah. be amazing for him. Let's step aside right now for a break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Josh Taylor, now, where would you put him on the pound-for-pound pound list? Because, man, I, just, I mean, that was such, I a just, great, such a great performance. I just updated it today, Micah. I sent it in. I've got him now. Maybe I've got him too high, and maybe I'm a little too, uh, you know, fired up of, over what I saw on Saturday. But I moved him up to number six. I got it Canelo, Crawford, Inouye, Spence, Tiafimo Lopez, and then Josh Taylor over Tyson Fury, over Alexander Usyk, and over um, uh, Estrada. So... Uh, agree with me? Disagree? Um, I think that seems more than fair. I think yeah, I think he's right in that five through seven range. So hard to argue with hard to argue with that. I've seen some people even have him higher now. But wow, look, there's no reason why the guy I keep thinking about is like a Ricky Hatton, and it's not just because of the weight or the UK. He's just uh, you know, Josh Taylor is a great character. He loves talking shit. Uh, he has the right, right fighting style, the fighting spirit like Haddon, but he's a better fighter than Haddon. Yeah, he is. Um, I don't see any reason why he can't. Look, Haddon was a massive, massive superstar in the UK, so it's hard to be as big as him. But there's no reason why Josh Taylor can't be pretty damn big in the UK, in my opinion. Without a doubt, you've got to love this guy. And I just think that, look, as soon as the world returns to a completely normal state, and by the way, it was hilarious, uh, Bob Arum's appearance at, the, appearance at the news conference where <laughs> he was saying... If you have a mask, and we were ordered to wear the masks into the press conference, he says, if you have a mask on, take the damn thing off. He says, as soon as this fight's over, the pandemic is over. It was a hilarious moment. You know, I think that he was uh, uh, just, you know, exhaling from all the frustration of being cooped up for so long. And, you know, with with everything back to normal, with the, the capacity crowds that are we expect from this point forward, you're absolutely right. I mean, how can people not flock to Josh Taylor? Yeah, Lance. Well, I want to ask you because back in November when Terrence Crawford fought Kell Brook, I know Bob Bennett and Bob Arum had to be separated. I mean, you were there. These guys yeah. don't like each other. Bob Bennett being the commissioner uh, of the Nevada, uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission, the head of that. Was there, was there any animosity this time between Kenny Bellis and all that, you know, basically just with Kenny Bellis and then I guess the mask stuff? Did you there see really anything? Was- no, there really wasn't. There was nothing like that. I mean, uh, I didn't notice the immediate reaction of maybe eye rolling from Bob Bennett or anything like that, but, uh, there was nothing like that before. I mean, uh, you know, what we saw before between Aram and Bennett this time, you know, look, I think there was some, you know, there were some hard feelings, but at the end of the, at the end of the fight, you kind of knew the guy who won the fight, you know, was given the victory. And so there was really no no need to go back and have sour grapes over really anything at all. Well, Lance, you were in Vegas th- this past weekend for Taylor Ramirez. You're going to be back in Vegas this coming weekend for Devin Haney, one of the rising stars in the sport. He's going to try to win his biggest fight yet by far when he fights Jorge Linares. Uh, that's a tough challenge, but Haney should get the job done if he's everything we think he is. And I certainly think he is a great talent. 
And we're going to be joined by Devin Haney right now, Lance, to get his thoughts on this fight against Linares and much, much more. Well, we're fortunate enough right now to be joined by WBC lightweight champion Devin Haney of Las Vegas, who's there right now preparing for his Saturday night fight at Mandalay Bay against veteran Jorge Linares. It'll be shown live on The Zone. Devin, thank you so much for joining us. I, I, uh, it's really great to see you. And how you feeling? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel great. Um, I'm excited that it's finally fight week. Um, that means that the fight is pretty much here now. So all the hard work is done. And I look forward to finally fighting on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. I, I would imagine that you probably consider Linares, being a former lightweight champion himself, this is, and he's a vet, veteran guy who basically has seen and done so much in his career. This has got to be your toughest test of all, right? Well, on paper, it is my toughest test, I will say, um, by far on paper. But, you know, we still got to get in the ring and uh, see. You know, it, may be the, it may be the easiest fight. It may be the hardest fight. But, um, inshallah, you know, we hope that it's the, the easiest fight of, of my career. Uh-huh. We hope that it's, that, uh, it's, it's a piece of cake. But we just got to see. We got to get in there and see. He's looked good of late. And I think that's the thing. It's like what, what you're saying is that, your talent could allow you to really shine right in this fight. I mean, you would like to be able to pick apart this veteran guy. Of course. Um, I want to go in there. I want to put on a, a great performance and, you know, do everything that, that it takes to, to win a fight and look good doing it. But we just got to see, you know, we, we got to see what, what Lenara shows up. We got to see what he brings to the table. Um, we, we, we seen Lenara's in many different scenarios. It's, you know, we seen him look good. We seen him look bad, but we just got to yeah. see. Um, what he brings to the table. Yeah, clearly. I mean, this is a guy who could have packed it in. I mean, he had, remember, he had that first round knockout, but he hasn't packed it in. In fact, like we said, he came back and has looked, you know, pretty decent of late. Um, do you almost want him to test you? Like, do you want the best version of Jorge Linares to, you know, for you to I be feel, able to show how good you are? I feel like the better the fighter is, the, the better I, I show. It brings the best out of me. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Linares is going to come in. He's going to he's coming to win, but I feel like that's going to bring the best out of me. That's going to be able. That's going to give me the chance to show everything that uh, that I've been working on, my full arsenal, and uh, be able to let my hands go. Let me ask you this: because as you're uh, preparing for this fight, you know you've been in the gym working with your dad. Um, what are the strides that you would expect to show off on Saturday night? Um, I want to go in there. I want to show everything. Um, I want to show, you know, every, the whole package. I want. I don't want to just show, you know, one one style or one way to beat to to, to beat him. I want to show that I have the full package. I have everything that it takes to to uh, to to be the best fighter in the world. And uh, you know, no flaws. I don't want to show any flaws. I want to show, you know, everything that I'm made of. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, look, I mean, you're in this division that counts Tiafima Lopez, uh, Ryan Garcia. I know Gervonta Davis is moving up for a fight at 140 against Mario Barrios, but he's still capable of participating in this division. And for a while, it was kind of like a uh, a game of like, can you be better than the guy who just fought in that division? I Tell me your thoughts, because I don't I, I would imagine that you weren't particularly satisfied with your showing against Yuri Gamboa, a complicated guy. Of course, I was going to get the knockout, but sometimes, you know, it's the same as they say, you know, you, it's hard to knock out somebody that doesn't want to be knocked out. You know, so yeah. if someone is in there to survive, uh, it's kind of hard to knock them out, which um, I'm happy that I got the experience. But I know that Linares is coming to win. 
and um, it'll give me a chance to 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 really show what I'm made of. You know what's cool? Uh, I know that uh, at the uh, at the news conference last week, uh, uh, promoter Bob Arum said that his fight this past weekend with Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez marked the end of the pandemic. And I think we're definitely seeing that in your fight uh, because we're going to have a pretty big crowd at Mandalay Bay. What does that mean to you? I mean, obviously your main event of that uh, of that card, defending your WBC title, and you're going to have a significant cheering section for you. To have boxing uh, get back to normalcy, how much does that mean to you as a fighter? Uh, it means a lot. I'm happy that I'm able to, to you know, be able to keep seven out the arena, which it's not to full capacity, but it's, you know, it's getting there because they keep lifting more tickets, more tickets and more yeah. tickets. So um, I'm happy that I'm able to bring a big crowd out because, you know, I've, I've pretty much done it by myself, you know, as far as um, I haven't had a real, I want to say a, a solid, you know, it's, it's, of course there's good fighters on the card, but I haven't had a good solid draw of, you know, fighters who, are, who draw crowds yet. You know, uh, I think the co-main is is some girls, you know, on the card. Which yeah, no disrespect yeah. to, you know, this the 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 tickets have majority ninety ninety eight percent have came for me. So uh, I'm happy that I'm able to you know show that that I that I do sell and that people you know come out to see me. And uh, this is this is Vegas. It's my home. You know, hopefully that after this, it's many more fights here because you, you you can see that right after a pandemic, I was, my my tickets are still selling. Yeah, obviously, Devin. I mean, I was driving down the strip this past week while I was out there for that fight, and I saw that billboard with your name on it. That has to feel pretty good. Have you seen that? Is it? Do you think like this is the first of many? Of course, yes. I, I thank God for it because I knew one day that it, that it would come. Um, it came pretty fast. I'm happy that that it's here now, and uh, I continue to thank God for it. And um, I'm so blessed. And I'm, I'm. This is definitely the first of many. Um, also, I, I, last week I spoke to Tiafimo Lopez, and I know he's got this fight coming up um, on June 19th against George Cambosis Jr. as mandatory, but he mentioned your name as a possible next opponent. Um, what do you think is the reality of that fight coming to fruition? I don't know. Um, that's not really my main focus right now. My main focus is Jorge Linares. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked about Tiafimo for a long time now. We talked about the fighting. But right now, my main focus is Jorge Linares. Uh, I'm so focused on going in there and um, dominating the fight. As you're headed into this fight, the great thing for you about being in Las Vegas, Devin, is that you get to rub shoulders and maybe even spar or do so, at least hear some voices from such significant fighters who are out in the town. Who have you been rubbing shoulders with during this camp or getting counsel from? Uh, you, as far as fighters? Um, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say... Uh, not really any fighters, really. I've just been um, really just focusing on, on me and my team, and you know, focusing on, on me. I haven't really talked to many many fighters. I'm so focused on uh, just me, myself, and, and really, I, I don't really care about as far as you know getting any tips from many fighters right now because I know what I got to do with this fight. Uh, you know the the fact that where you are in the in the on the calendar, it seems like you would be available to fight one more time this calendar oh, year. Yeah, is that course. something you plan to do? Yeah, of course. I definitely want to fight again. Uh, the year is out. Um, that's the key to it. I want to stay busy as much as possible. I'm yeah. young. Um, it's just I'm, you know, I'm heading. I'm 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 young. I have I have the, the work ethic and the discipline to, to stay busy. I stay in the gym. So that's the key. I want to stay um, 
active as much as possible, fighting as much as possible. And he said that, that, that that's what he would do, would keep me busy as much as possible. But um, between an injury uh, that I had and the pandemic, it left me out of the ring for uh, uh, a year. But other than that, I was staying busy. Last thing, Devin, I mean, as you look around the, the landscape of boxing, there are so many exciting, uh, young, personable, charismatic fighters such as yourself who really kind of dot the landscape. Are you pretty excited about the future of boxing? I know sometimes we hear stuff about, you know, like, oh, is boxing doomed? It's it's not as big as, yeah. as UFC. But do, uh, how do you feel about the state of the sport? Um, I feel like boxing is not in a bad shape right now. I feel like fighters who are champions, fighters who are, you know, world title, boxing is going to be good for, you know, the next decade because it's, it's so much talent right now. And it's like it's it's the new, it's the new era. The new era is coming in, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm happy that uh, you know I'm, I'm a, I am a, a world champion in this time, and uh, I look forward to you know making these big fights happen and uh, making a lot of money too. Great, Devin. Thank you so much. Well, good luck with that cause on Saturday night. We'll all be watching and take care of business on Are Saturday. Are you coming to the fight? North. I'm gonna do my best to get there, Devin. I promise you. It's not uh, up to me though. It's a fight, man. I better see you at the fight. <laughs> okay. I'll get there. I'll tell everyone. Thank you, buddy. Thanks again to Devin Haney. If you're not following him already, you can do so on Twitter and on Instagram at real Devin Haney. Lance, you know, do you think Lenaris can give him these problems? Because we I have heard a lot of whispers in boxing circles of people saying, Don't sleep on Lenaris. This could be a really tough fight for for Haney. I guess it really comes down to how much you believe in Devin Haney. Because Lenaris, you know, he's still relevant. I mean, he was knocked out by Pablo Cesar Cano, and I think it was in the first round a couple of years ago. That was at 140 pounds. You know, Lenaris looked pretty damn good last year in beating Carlos Molina. He's very fast. He has big power. He gave Lomachenko a hell of a fight back in, I think it was 2018. So we know Lenaris is going to bring it, but how good is Devin Haney? Lenaris is a big guy. Um, Haney's going to have to bring it as all. And if he's, what do you think he is? He's going to, you know, I, look, he gets a knockout and he's off on a rocket ship to start him. Or if he just looks really good. But anything less, if it's a boring fight, if it's methodical and, you know, he maybe, or if it's a close fight, I think that would really hurt him. But what do you think? What does he need to do? Absolutely. I mean, like he said, he talked about on the interview, Mike, I mean, he knows that he kind of let people down in that performance against Gamboa that went the distance. And he he wants to deal with this veteran and Lenaris and, and show how good he is. And, you know, whether he's acknowledging it uh, to, you know, the full limit that he should. And I was kind of goading him on to do that. You know, there's no doubt that he has to keep up with the doings of those other people in the lightweight division, Tiafima Lopez, Ryan Garcia, when he gets back in there. And even though Gervonta Davis is going to be fighting his next fight at 140. You know, Devin Haney's got a lot to keep up with these guys. And so a, a nice stoppage victory over a former champion, a veteran guy who really knows his way around the ring like Jorge Linares. And you're you're absolutely right. This is a guy who has trained his ass off to be ready for this fight. That's going to go a long way for Devin Haney to say, you know, look at what I've just done and bring on these other guys now. Even though he was kind of reluctant to say that he wants Tiafimo next, um, I, I spoke to Tiafimo in Vegas and he, he mentioned the name of Devin Haney as a, a possible next opponent. You know, that could happen. So he, he's got it. He's got it. He needs a signature performance. And I think that being a main event, uh, having a main event fight in Mandalay Bay in his hometown of Las Vegas and stopping Jorge Linares is exactly that. Yeah. I mean, he needs it and I think he's capable of it. So we're going to see what happens Saturday on the zone. That's going to be Matchroom's first promotion in vegas actually lance believe it or not 
Um, obviously, Eddie Hearn had his own squabbles with Bob Bennett, dating back to the Julio Cesar Savas Jr. drug testing and the Jacobs and all that fiasco. So um, we'll see. Maybe maybe you'll get to see a fight between Eddie Hearn and Bob Bennett. Although if Eddie <laughs> Hearn pushes him, it's probably not going to go as well as <laughs> as was the last time. But yeah. Um, well, you know, it's going to be good. I know that they're going to have a bigger crowd there, Mike, at Mandalay Bay. And let me ask you this because I know you followed Devin pretty close closely. I mean, what do you think he needs to do different? Don't you think he needs to st- have his foot on the accelerator here to to have that signature type of triumph? Yeah, I would like to see Devin Haney stand in the pocket more and let his hands go. You know, he's he's a really crisp puncher, great counter puncher. I want to see him really, you know, sit on those punches and show his power because we know he has it. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, look, maybe he'll start a little slow being in this tough test. But Dory Linares, you know, obviously a chinny guy. He's there to be hurt. And you have to punch with Jorge Linares, I think, because he is so fast, even though Haney's younger and very fast too. I think... I mean, I'm really interested to see Lance, the hand speed difference. I, I wonder at this age, can Lenar's match Haney because he does have exceptionally fast hands. But I think for Haney, the key is sit down on those shots and punch with him. Um, and also speaking of stepping on the gas, I want to go back real quick. I thought Josh Taylor could have and should have had the knockout if he would have stepped on the gas a little more. I thought Jose Ramirez was ready to go. What did you think? Well, especially, I mean, you saw this and I think that was the key point of what you were talking about with Kenny Bayless not letting that action resume in the seventh. I mean, uh, Taylor was charging from that neutral corner and trying to trying to force the action so he could get that. Now, he couldn't get those punches to land, but I think there's another thing at play, Mike, too, and it speaks to Jose Ramirez. I mean, sometimes when you get hurt, you know, you, you do bite down on that mouthpiece and your determination uh, heightens. And I think we, we did see that from Jose Ramirez you know, after the seventh round, but you're absolutely right. I think I thought that in that seventh round, Taylor was pursuing that knockout. And let's be honest, I was a I I did the betting guide, and I and I'm sorry because I encouraged uh, everyone who read it. I said the bet to make is Josh Taylor by knockout because the odds were uh, just a lot higher than they were um, by just picking Josh Taylor to uh, to to just win the fight. But that I, I know that's something you did. Look, Lance, I don't think I have to apologize for any advice. Where, you know, the guy has two knockdowns and the guy's out on his feet. It was a good call. You know, not, not all bets that are, don't get cashed in are bad bets. That's a good bet. So, you know, I, I thought the Taylor play was to win outright, but you can never go wrong with the value. Obviously, there was more value there on the knockout. So I want the money. I wanted but, the money, Mike. I wanted the money. I wanted the cake. Well, well, Devin Haney's a pretty big favorite. <laughs> Devin Haney's a pretty big favorite this week, Lance. What do you think is the, the, the call there? Do you bet him by decision? knockout or do you bet him outright because you i don't think really if there's any value in betting haney outright i think by per bet mgm he's like plus 1200 maybe sorry minus 1200 something something like that mm-hmm. so look i'm i'm going for the knockout mike again i uh, sue me but i'm going i'm going for the money i, I want to try to if i'm gonna bet and maybe my mentality is is wrong but when i see an opportunity to sort of grab that brass ring i'm gonna go for it and if, if it's a smart way and look it is a smart way because you've got to as we just got done talking about devin haney needs a knockout in this spot he needs to show that he's right there with those other guys and that's a knockout is what does that for him yeah i, I think haney's gonna rise to the occasion and i think he is gonna get the knockout so i'm excited for that one on saturday and uh, oh haney now per bet mgm minus 1000 according to uh producer cam lenaris plus 700 um, yeah, look, you, you have to go with <laughs> Mike plus, uh, I don't even know what that says, Cam, 10 million. I don't know, <laughs> man. I, I'm, not, I'm not even like plus 300 for whatever it is I'm doing, 
But um, look, I, I think Haney, you have to bet him outright at this point. I'm sorry. Sorry, I don't mean that. I'm sorry. I mean, I think you have to bet Haney by either a knockout or a decision and get some value. Plus, at minus 1,000, that's not worth it. But yeah, I do think he's going to rise to the occasion. I do think he's going to get the knockout Lance. And look, it would be great because it would create a lot of noise. And there's a ton of noise going on in boxing right now. I mean, boxing is red, red hot. Fury Wilder 3, July 24th in Vegas. Fury signed the contract on the broadcast. That fight is on. Um, a month later, we have the, the shocking news. Manny Pacquiao against Errol Spence Jr. August 21st in Las Vegas. I cannot wait for that one. And it's funny, Lance, because when I was at the Ruiz-Ariola fight, I heard some whispers that the Spence-Pacquiao fights were being revisited. Sorry, the talks were being revisited. But, you know, I, I still didn't think the fight was going to happen. I still thought it was more likely that we would see Spence against Ugas. Um, now we get a real super fight. I mean, Pacquiao Spence, that fight is, that's a monster, monster fight. And I can't wait. I mean, the Pacquiao really just walking toward the fire at age 42, nothing left to prove at all as, as we know. And fighting Errol Spence, man, what are your, I mean, you spoke to Manny Pacquiao. What did he tell you? Look, Mike, I mean, at the end of the day, you, how can you say anything but he, the guy's just a savage? And, you know, what he says is that, I'm. I want the toughest challenge. I want whoever the the, the pe- whoever people say is the number one guy. That's who I want. He and he made an effort. You know this. He made an effort to try to get Terrence Crawford in the ring. That didn't work out financially with top rank involved. And now he you know turned his attention not to Mikey Garcia, and that's a very key point because he, he could have tried to uh, go down that road as well. But there wasn't uh, funding in place for that one as as well. Like there was with Errol Spence, and now he gets this two belt undefeated champion from Texas, who's going to possess, I believe it's a four inch height and five inch reach advantage on Manny Pacquiao, plus uh, basically like a decade of youth on his side. Uh, it's a going to be a tough, tough test for Manny Pacquiao. I do not see him faring very well in this fight, but for Errol Spence, you know, and his his desire to be the top American fighter. You know, he's going to get there with a victory over Manny Pacquiao because a lot of people are going to be paying attention to this fight. It's going to have the high profile of being a pay-per-view in Las Vegas in August. And Errol Spence is, is, uh, you know, the world is, is, is there for him to, to take right here with this, with this selection of this opponent. I mean, obviously you have to pick Errol Spence. I believe he's around a a minus 400 favorite, something like that. Yeah. That's what I saw. Look, I, I'm more bullish on Pacquiao's chances than you are, Lance. I will never count Manny Pacquiao out. I think the big question in my mind is, is what does he have left? Is he the same Pacquiao that, that fought Keith Thurman and dropped Thurman and looked so good in winning that fight? That was two years ago at age 40. Now he's 42 and he hasn't fought in two years. I know he told you that at this point, the rest is great for him, but you know, we haven't seen him in two years. So, you know, going from 40 to 42, who knows if he's different? If is the same Pacquiao the fourth Thurman, he's going to give Spence hell. Because A, Pacquiao, that style has always given Spence a little bit of issues. He has fast, fast feet. He uses angles. He can jump around, dart in and out. He's not going to come straight to you. That's one. Two, I did not see this, but boxing people who are smarter than me tell me they don't think Errol Spence is the same after the accident. They thought Mm. Spence looked a little slower against Danny Garcia. Again, I didn't see that. I thought Spence looked great against Danny Garcia, but I've heard from a couple of different people that they, that their opinion is, is that maybe the accident took something out of him. So if the, if it did and if Pacquiao is the same Pacquiao that beat Thurman, you know, you have to say that he's going to bring it and, and give it and, and give Spence a tough fight because he is a living legend. And man, Lance, if Pacquiao 
at 42 can defeat a top five pound for pound guy oh and the one guy at 147. I mean, he can, he can move up those mythical all time rankings. I mean, this will be a huge win. Yeah, it would be like George Foreman beating Michael Moore or winning it. Because look, I mean, the thing that, that Pacquiao said, and I've talked to this guy for so many years, Mike, over the years, and you know, he's never lied to me. What he said is that I, I feel I'm faster and I feel like I'm stronger than Errol Spence Jr., which I, I was just, you know, stunned. I was like speechless, uh, by that comment, but he meant, he meant it. Uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao, I think to, I'm not going to say his dying day, but to his last day in the ring is going to be believing in his skills and whether those skills are good enough to beat the, the dynamo that is Errol Spence Jr. I mean, did he slow down at all against Garcia? I mean, maybe in the later rounds when he had victory in hand, that was, that's all that I saw. Otherwise I saw a pretty uh, special fighter who had really not lost a step. Uh, it's a tough task for Manny, but I, you know, I think that, and a lot of people are very quick to point this out, you know, at a point where you've got Floyd Mayweather participating against in an exhibition against Logan Paul, Manny Pacquiao is stepping in there against Errol Spence Jr. And I know that Floyd Mayweather won their fight in 2015, but Manny Pacquiao is still here, you know, fighting these types of fights. And you got to tip your cap to the guy uh, just a little bit, at least. We'll be right back after this. The reaction to this fight has been tremendous. I mean, people are going nuts for it. I think it's going to do a big, big pay-per-view number. I'm going to say in the 500, 600 range, if it's promoted right. And if it's promoted as Pacquiao's final fight. And I wanted to ask you, Lance, because I know you spoke to Pacquiao and he told, and he said to you that it might be his final fight. I think it should be his final fight, win or lose. Cause if you win and you beat Spence, you can't top that. You walk away on top. If you lose to Spence, why go on? You're 42. You've accomplished so, so much. I think this is the perfect final fight for him. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And there's a lot of people. Um, I talked to some people uh, from the Philippines, and what they said is it's the worst kept secret in the country that sometime in the fall, Manny Pacquiao will likely announce that he is going to be running for the president of the Philippines. And it sets up perfectly time-wise uh, for him to participate in this fight and then get you know on the heels of all of that publicity, step in, into the political ring. But this guy is, a, is the ultimate man of the people. And uh, now he has the opportunity to uh, show that in the in, in the most sensational way possible as the leader of a country. Yeah. And um, Lance, I, I want to say, you know, obviously we have to get into all the Fury stuff now. Fury Wilder, July 24th, this one month later, Pacquiao Spence, there's no doubt in my mind, that's a bigger fight than Fury Wilder. It's obviously not bigger than Fury Joshua, but we're shaping up for a really big end of the year. Because if we do indeed, like, let, let's look at what we could possibly have now, right? Yeah. July 24th, Fury Wilder 3, Fox and ESPN pay-per-view. And remember, for the listeners there, um, this is going to be a collaboration again. That was part of the deal with the rematch clause was a two-fight deal. So this is going to be 60% of the revenue to Fury, 40% to Wilder. So that's why this got done so quickly. There was nothing really to agree to. There was just, you know, dotting the I's and taking care of some things. And it got done real quick there because everything was agreed. And, you know, it'll be pay-per-view again. Then we have a month later, Pacquiao Spence, huge Fox pay-per-view. And I want to say, what a, what a turn of events for Al Heyman and PBC. Because, <laughs> you know, they, out of nowhere, two big fights come on Fox pay-per-view. With, with the arbitrators, Jun Roy, and then now Pacquiao Spence. So, big week for Al Heyman. Absolutely, Mike. Um, real quick, I got to tell you something. Because someone who's like a participant in the Pacquiao fight was very quick to say, when you look at the arbitration ruling and you look at Pacquiao Spence getting made, he was, uh, he was saying Al Heyman two, Bob Arum zero. 
I I go uh, I go I goaded Aram about it, and he said he he wouldn't buy it. He said like, oh, you know, we gave it our best. We put our best foot forward trying to get uh, Crawford to fight Pacquiao. It didn't work out, and the fact that the arbitrator ruled the way that he did, well, you know, we'll make the best of it. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, Lance, I'm not so sure it is too old because I don't know how unhappy Bob Arum is about the arbitration ruling. Because let's let's be real here. All promoters have egos. And we go from a Fury-Joshua fight in Saudi Arabia where Eddie Hearn is driving the, the, the bus to Fury Wilder, Bob Arum driving the bus, top rank, running everything. And I want to read some more Eddie Hearn comments from earlier today, from Monday uh, with IFL because I thought they were pretty damning. Uh-huh. Eddie Hearn said, and uh, and I quote, Bob may say, yeah, I spoke to Al Heyman and asked him, would you step aside? And he said, no, and that was it. We just moved on. <laughs> oh, great effort, mate. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie Hearn also, also went on to say, um, he also went on to say, this was their meaning, this was their meaning top rank intention all along to make this fight, meaning Fury Wilder 3. That's what I truly believe. So, Eddie Hearn and Bob Aaron have been in a pissy match for years, and it seemed like they both took, you know, took the few months off while they tried to get that Fury, Fury uh, Joshua fight done. Now the gloves are off, Lance, uh, and Eddie Hearn's going back on the offensive. So he thinks, he thinks that Wilder, he thinks Top Rank was happy to do Wilder again, and I I don't, I think there's good logic there for why they might be. So, um, they could have, they they still could have made, they still could have made Fury Wilder three on the other side of it. I mean, that's, I don't, you know, if Bob Arum was uh, calculating all the numbers that were in play for Fury Joshua, it's hard to say that he doesn't want that. And obviously that will still be in play. Uh, I know as you were doing the schedule, Mike, you know, now we've uh, in, also in August, and I think you may have a, a better handle on the dates than myself. Um, we got Anthony Joshua against Alexander Usyk being the WBO mandatory. That will take place as well, right? Yeah, no deal done yet, but it would be a surprise to see Joshua give up the title. I mean... You know, especially if you're, if you're going to make this Fury Joshua fight happen in the, in the fall, you know, the, the 150 million plus the Saudis were paying, they're paying for a four belt undisputed title fight, not for, yeah. not for, you know, three belts. So, right. and I was told that was important to the Saudis. So you have to imagine that, yeah, Fury is, sorry, that Joshua is going to go through with that fight. And the two dates I was told are either August 21st or August 28th. Um, I believe we'll be in the UK. That's the intention is the UK. Possibly even Wembley Stadium or the Spurs Stadium, which was the, uh, in Liverpool. That's where the, that's where the, the Joshua Pool, if I was supposed to be before the coronavirus came. So, look, that, we're getting, instead of one fight, we're getting two big fights now. Obviously, neither fight is as big as Fury Joshua. But if we can get Fury Joshua into year and in the meantime, get Fury Wilder and Joshua Usyk, you and I both know it's going to only make Fury Joshua that much bigger. Cause these guys haven't fought in a while. You get them fighting a month apart in big fights. And I know the boxing hipsters love Usyk. They absolutely love this guy. But I hate to break it to them. Joshua's going to knock him out. I'm saying it right now because Usyk is not a heavyweight. Uh, and I, I felt if I'm wrong, send me right over to freezing cold takes. I'll take it. But <laughs> Usyk is not a heavyweight. He's looks. He he's gained hasn't shown much he's pop. Gained some weight. He's, he's gained some weight. Yeah, he's camp, gained some weight. Like. So he's going to be even slower now. Because he's, you know, part of his abilities is that he's fast and has fast feet. So he's going to be slower now. He hasn't shown much pop. And he's going against a monstrous puncher, Joshua by knockout, and with an exclamation point. Sorry, sorry, boxing hipsters. Don't. But look, I you, look. They, they all te- they all tell me by the way that Chisor didn't give him problems. He definitely did. 
No, no doubt about it. It's like, what are you, what are you looking at, Mike? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you have to know the way the boxing works, and uh, Joshua's going to have such a substantial size advantage, and he is a he is a force of nature. I was actually, you know, I re- I wrote a column just the day before I was basically scrapped, saying that I like Joshua over Fury, you know, and I think that Joshua has kind of really effectively righted himself, you know. It's fine, you know. Take take this fight, and you're absolutely right. Both of these fights lead in. You know, it sucks the way, and I sat here on this podcast last week and was saying it was a dark day for boxing, but in the light of day, you know, really g- giving it some thought, both of these fights are entertaining enough um, to, you know, make this fight with uh, uh, Fury and Joshua that is going to be going to have so much attention on it now. Uh, again, these two Brits probably going to Saudi Arabia later in the year. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think I think it's just fine. Uh, I am curious to see the Joshua Usyk odds if there are any early odds, but I, I, look, I, I want to say I do think Usyk can give Joshua some problems. Obviously, he's a better boxer, he's a better mover, he has a great jab. I just can't see him winning the fight. Uh, I, I, th- I think how the way it probably goes is he outboxes Joshua for the first couple of rounds. Maybe Joshua catches up to him and then he knocks him out in the middle rounds. Right. Um, but I think Usyk's going to have his big moments in there, and it'll be a fun promotion. I mean, Usyk's certainly a character. And uh, boxing fans love him. Yeah, everything has to go right for him, Mike. And I, I agree with you. I mean, over time, that that power is just going to end up deciding the day in Anthony Joshua's favor. Again, Anthony Joshua, say one thing about it. And I know he kind of like dropped the ball uh, in a big way when he made his U.S. debut at Madison Square Garden. But I can just see it in this guy. He understands everything about who he is supposed to be. And this is a guy dedicated to his craft. I really believe that he's going to be very sharp in this. He's already been training, so he's going to be very sharp against Usyk, and I believe he will definitely impose his will. I don't think the fight will go past nine rounds, Mike. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that's right, probably. Nine rounds seems like a good over-under for that, Lance. Um, Real quick, before we wrap up, Lance, I want to circle back to Josh Taylor because I said that you know it's likely he fights Jack Catterall next, and I said I wanted to sooner than later because I do want to see him get a big fight in this year if, he's gonna, if he is going to fight Catterall next as expected. Who would you rather see? Josh Taylor or Tifimo Lopez for the undisputed 140-pound championship or Josh Taylor against Terrence Crawford at 147? Well, who do I want to see? I really like the idea of Tifimo Lopez, who for years now has said that he's bursting at the seams at 135. And I know there was a little debate. I had a question about this on my mailbag that's uh, available on The Athletic today. Let's be honest. Tifimo Lopez, by my standards, is a fully unified, undisputed lightweight champion of the world so to have to have two undisputed champions fighting each other sensational sign me up for it all day long but i'm gonna say this in talking to josh taylor after the fight you can you can see it in his eyes mike and you know you may not agree with this route for him but he wants to go after terrence crawford he wants that fight and i think for top rank you know with terrence crawford on the way out they could probably talk him into waiting until later in the year and take that one last fight against Josh Taylor, which would be the last two guys who were undisputed 140-pound champions fighting for Terrence's uh, WBO welterweight belt. Either of them are, you know, you cannot lose. Both of them are going to be sensational matchups. I just feel like Josh is in a is in a safer position, and I would pick him to win against Tiafima Lopez than he is against Terrence Crawford. He's got a ton of mo- momentum right now. Capitalize on it and, you know, milk it for what it's worth. Yeah, and both are sensational matchups. I think I too lean toward Tifima Lopez, but not by much. I mean, I mean, you know, lean to that fight as being the fight I want to see, but not by much. Um, 
great fights. And of course, Tifimo Lopez has his own business to handle in a couple of weeks on June 19th, fighting and defending that undisputed championship against George Cambosis. So we'll see if he can build some more momentum toward a possible Josh Taylor fight, Lance. And that is our show for today. Thank you everyone for joining us. And we'll be back later this week as we are joined by the Filipino Flash, Nonito Donaire, to preview his fight against Nordino Bali. 